If you have a Bible, uh, you, uh, we, I will invite you to turn there. If not, uh, the media team have got some scripture references and in the order that I've given them to you, if they can come up now and uh, we will read and then or we'll pray first maybe and then we will read. So pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to listen to your word. I decree and I declare today our lives will never be the same again. Thank you for the power of your word. We pray for the kids' parties, the crash parties, the youth parties, the explorers' parties, all of the kids' teams, the youth teams, the crash teams, everybody that's serving upstairs, downstairs. Father, give them an incredible time. Make them have an incredibly blessed time. We thank you uh, for our time together. Let this word come forth with power, with precision, with clarity. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. A nation called Israel was exiting from 400 odd years of slavery out of Egypt and God had promised them to take them into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. After that, even to give them even more real estate and more land and God had this plan. Along the way, there are three different ways which God provided for them. Everybody say the number three. Three, 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 three different ways. Here was the first way. The first way was whenever they were hungry, they would say, God, please help, we're hungry. And they would look up and suddenly food would just drop from heaven. And this is, this is the first thing that we're reading. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. In the morning, dew lay around the camp. Next verse. Go to the next verse. And when the dew had gone up, there was uh, on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? They did not know what it was, and Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. The word, what is it, in Hebrew, is translated in one word, and it's the word manna. It means they ate manna. They, 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 they came out one morning, and they looked up, and there was quail falling down, and there was kind of like snow, but not snow falling down. And everybody said, what is it? And they tasted it, and it tasted like bread. And so they thought, we've got to come up with a creative name to call this food. And they called it, what is it? It's very creative. So it's called, even till today, it's called manna. And that's the first way God created. Uh, God created provision for them. And you guys have been there. If, you are, uh, if you've been following God for any, any number of time, you, you've had those moments where you're saying, God, we've got nothing. It'll be amazing if you just provide, if you just do something. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, there was a miracle. There was a check in the post. There was some money through the letterbox. There was somehow your pain disappearing. There was somehow that relationship fixing. Somehow you woke up one morning and your mental health was all right. Somehow that which you thought was going to be completely broken got fixed. You know, those sudden miracles where you just thought, I, had, I did not see that coming, and I thank God that I've just had a sudden miracle. There was no explanation for it. You didn't know how it happened. And some of those miracles, you don't even know where it came from or who it came from. It just happened. It, it was so shocking that you didn't even have vocabulary for it. So you just called it, what is this? It looks like God has rained food from heaven. Is there anybody here who can say, well, I've had one or two of those miracles where I didn't know God. I didn't know what would happen, but God just did something. Come on, we can give him a round of praise right now for all the blessings that he just he just provided it just turned up it's like what is this it just happened after a while god had to lead them from a place of manna where they're just expecting and and we look at the next next phase so chapter two here's the second chapter if we keep reading um the next uh next uh scripture references that i gave you guys if we can go to the next one for, for the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They, they ate manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. So imagine this bit here is the border. So for 40 years they've left Egypt. They're eating manna, 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 manna. It's like, wow, every day is just rain. Or just Wow. And they came to the border of Canaan. Remember God had told them, I'm going to take you to the land of Canaan, land flowing with milk and honey. They came to the border of Canaan. For these 40 years, it was manna season. God just did things. But when they came to Canaan, they came to the land of Canaan, something else happened. Let's look at the next verse. I think it's, uh, we skipped to Joshua, which is after 40 years. The day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. 
that manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So for 40 years, it was miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. They come to Cana. And when they come to Cana, guess what? Manna stopped. I mean, if I was, if I was them, I'd be, I'd be upset. I'd be going, oh, man, why, why, why has it stopped? Why, why has all this sudden miracle stopped? You see, sometimes you will get so used to the way God deals with you that the way God deals with you becomes your idol. So you start worshipping. I remember when God just suddenly did something. I remember this moment where I just encountered the presence of God. And sometimes God has to wean you from that because if not, that becomes greater than the God you worship. So he's got to take you out of that manna season because when you enter the Canaan season, manna stops. And those of us who are religious in our church will look at people whose manna has stopped and said, I know something's going on with them. They're probably living in sin. There's something going on with them. That's why manna is not so... I mean, every other day they had a testimony about God did this, God did that, God did this, God did that. It's been a while since we've heard anything. I wonder what's going on with them. Maybe they're not praying hard enough. And sometimes the devil will start whispering in your ear. It used to be, you know, you used to pray five hours a week. Now look at you. You've got a job now and you only pray two, uh, two and a half hours a week. And so you begin to listen to all those lies and you think that the reason the manna has stopped is because somehow you've become less spiritual. Either the devil will convince you of that or your guilt will convince you of that or religious people who always have a solution for every problem will convince you of that. But you need to know sometimes the lack of provision is not a sign of the lack of the presence of God. You've got to know that not everything works in the way that you think is going to work. It's not always. You are not God. You cannot box him. You cannot, you cannot put him in a box and say, this was my experience before and I know God is going to come through. I want to know. I want you to know he does exceedingly abundantly way more than you can ask or imagine. That means God lives outside of your imagination. You cannot put him in a box. He came to Canaan and says, God says, I have a new way of providing for you. It's called farming. You're going to eat the produce of the land. You're going to sow seeds and you're going to eat the produce. On the day that they ate the produce, the fruit of the land of Canaan, manna stopped. Let me ask you, which one seems a bit more, you know, which one has a bit more X factor? Surely the manna. Because sometimes you can think, this is how God's move should be. And then when God moves you into a greater dimension of glory and calls it farming, you and I can conclude that that doesn't look like great glory. Because you have made a conclusion in your mind that the miraculous is somehow way more important than the principles of sowing and reaping. And God had to teach them no longer to rely on an encounter, but to rely now on the principles of sowing and reaping. The day they ate the produce of Canaan, manna stopped. Some of you are here today and you have been ridden with guilt because the miracles, the manna season suddenly stopped. And you have been wondering, God, why is it that that season stopped in my life? It was so exciting. I was on the edge of my seat every morning. I woke up and I couldn't just wait to see what God was about to do. And you've even walked in here discouraged because the devil has convinced you that something is wrong with you. I want to encourage you. The steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. There is nothing wrong with your life. God is up to something in your life. And he is weaning you of every dependency on the nature and the ways of God and being and plugging you into worshiping God. Because sometimes how God has led us can become a bit of a bondage. And they come through Canaan. And that and then they take and God takes them through chapter two, which is sowing and reaping. After chapter two, uh, let's look at some more verses about this. He he goes to Chapter 3, when you went over to Jordan and came to Jericho, the leaders of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites fought against you. The Perizzites fought against you. The Canaanites fought against you. The Hittites fought against you. The Girgashites fought against you. The Hivites fought against you. And the Jebusites fought against you. And I gave them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. And it was not by your sword or by your bow. 
Verse 13, I gave you a land which you did not labor for, cities you did not build, and you dwelt in them. You ate the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards you did not plant. Track the story with me. Chapter 1 is called what? Manna. It's just amazing. You just step out and look up. Especially when you're new, following Jesus, new, encountering the power of God. It's manna season. Every day is exciting because you're just manna. And then you go and God starts teaching you some principles. He says, hey, listen, if you want to eat, don't just rely on manna the rest of your life. You've got to learn how to sow so you can reap. Chapter 3 is called warfare. Now you can't just plant and sow and reap. He says, now I'm taking you to Jericho and they'll fight you. But you've got to learn how to fight back. I'm going to take you to the Hittites and they'll fight you. You've got to learn how to fight back. And then I'm going to take you to the Perizzites and they're going to fight you. And then you've got to fight back. And until you have fought every enemy that's come against you, you will not be able to enter rest. And when you fight Jericho and you overcome Jericho, and when you get there, you will then live in houses you did not build, in cities you did not plant, and you will eat from vineyards you did not plant, and you will pr- gather produce from olive. So they haven't, they haven't sown the, vi- the, the vineyards, they haven't sown the olives, they are going to now reap. And some of you have transitioned from manna season. Some of you are still there. That's good. As long as you're there, enjoy. It's great season. There's nothing wrong with it. Some of you are currently in sowing and reaping season. God is teaching you that the principles of his word is more important than all of the miracles that come through his word. And so you're learning how to sow and reap. You're learning to bite your tongue. And you're learning to control your anger. You're learning to surrender your thoughts. You're learning that you got to sow honor in order to get promotion. You're learning that you got to sow meekness in order to inherit the earth. You're learning that you got to sow mercy in order to get mercy. You're learning that you've got to sow sacrifice in order to see the fire of God fall. It's not that those things, it's not that God has left you, but God is now training you that the principles of the word of God are more important than just standing, looking up the sky and saying, food please. You're maturing. But some of us are in chapter 3, and chapter 3 looks a bit different to chapter 2, because you're not sowing for the vine, you're not sowing for the olives, you're entering into warfare. This, let's, look at, let's look at this Joshua chapter 24, starting from the first verse that I gave the media team. I can't remember which verse that was. If we can go back a few more verses. The day after the Passover. No, if we go to chapter 24. The next slide. Chapter 24, verse 11. You went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. And what happened to Jericho? The leaders of Jericho fought against you. They fought. Who else fought? The Amorites fought, the Perizzites fought, the Canaanites fought, the Hittites fought, the Girgashites fought, the Hivites fought, and the Jebusites fought. But I gave them into your hand. So the battle always belongs to the Lord and God is promising you that there is a victory, but God is not exempting you from the fight. Here is some good news. The fight is not against your mother-in-law or your husband or your wife. Or the government, or parliament, or the people that left you, or the people that abused you, or the people that rejected you. Our warfare, our fight is never, is never against people. It's never against flesh and blood. What's the warfare against? It's, it's against whatever is disturbing rest on the inside. It's against whatever is disturbing rest on the inside. Sometimes you are coming against Jericho and God says, hey, for a season, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come to Jericho and do nothing, say nothing, and just go around the city. One day and go around the city. Two days, go around the city. Three days, go around the city. Four days. And and, and after a while, you're like, man, my life used to be way more exciting than this. It was manna season where I could just stand up and God would just go bam. And it was miracle after miracle. And God is telling you, shut up, keep quiet, keep marching. Not very exciting. 
But you've got to learn how to fight everything inside of you that says, I want to quit. I don't want to surrender to that. God hasn't called me to that. Do you know how many gifts are in me? Do you know how many talents are in me? Do you know the experience I've had? I went through the Red Sea. I saw the Red Sea part and I saw miracles. I saw manna and I can't believe all I'm doing in this season is just going round and round and round. I can't even talk. I can't even open my mouth. And you've got to fight that. Because you've got to learn how to rule the thing in you, the flesh in you, your desires in you, everything in you that says, nah, I know better than God. God has probably made a mistake. I'm going watching around Jericho. It says the, the people of Jericho came and fought. I want to give you Jericho because the other side of Jericho is a vineyard you did not plant. It's a, it's a olive orchard you did not plant. It's a city you did not build. It's a house. You, there are blessings on the other side of your obedience. If you knew it, you would obey quickly. If you knew it, you would surrender. Surrender quickly. If you knew it, you would submit to the will and the plan of God quickly. But when you're walking around Jericho, it doesn't feel convenient to do it. You gotta fight. You gotta fight. You gotta fight. You'll be amazed at the number of followers of Jesus Christ because they can't fight the demons on the inside. They're always busy fighting the demons on the outside. And there's everybody out there is the problem. The government is the problem. My neighbor is the problem. My mother-in-law is the problem. My father-in-law is the problem. My ex is the problem. My boyfriend is the problem. My wife is the problem. My neighbors are the problem. The county council is the problem. Let me tell you what the biggest problem is. The biggest problem you are fighting today, the biggest enemy you are fighting today is the the part of you that does not want to yield itself to the power and the word of God. Fight that enemy. Learn to yield and surrender and you will see what God can do because he is taking you to a place where you will have vineyards you did not plant and olive orchards you did not plant and buildings you did not have. God wants you to inherit things that are way beyond your imagination. But you got to learn how to fight. you got to learn how to fight. You gotta learn how to fight. I told you week one, we looked at how we create space in prayer and it brings an impact. Week two, we looked at how we create space to serve God. And it brings an impact. Week three. Today I want to tell you that you have to create space in your mind to create an impact. Because the biggest fight is here. It's between your two years. It's it's in the unrenewed mind that always has an opinion that contradicts the opinion of the word of God. And so we don't like it when Jericho battles look a bit like this. What do you want to tell me to do? You, you, you want me to get baptized? No, I don't want to get baptized. God loves me. You want me to turn up at church and serve? What do I do after serving? Well, next week you serve again. What about after that? You serve again. And what about after that? You serve again. What about after that? You serve? Well, I've served for four. Four months now. God hasn't done anything. There you see. There's your battle. Right there. There's your battle. You want me to do what? You want me to tithe? Well, I tithed in January. And then God didn't do anything. I tithed in February. And God didn't do anything. I tithed in March. It just got tithed. What do you want me? I'm done. I'm done. What do you want? There's your battle right there. You've got to learn how to observe what the things are that are coming up against your life. Because you will never live in cities you did not build. And houses you did not toil for. And vineyards you did not plant. And olive orchards you did not have. Until you learn to find Fight the battle in your mind and say, I may look stupid, I may look dumb, but I have decided the word of the Lord is more important than any emotion and any feeling that is in my mind. If he has called me, he is faithful and I'm going to make space in my mind to do what he says. I'm going to make space in my mind to do what he says. And just as you finished Jericho, back in the day, we would call it a testimony. We'd call two or three people. You'll be amazed and say, hey, guess what? You know that season I was in? Like I was doing day one and I was like this. And then day two and I was like this. And day three, you'll never get. I got to day seven. God was like, do it seven times. So on day seven, I was like doing it seven times. And finally, the walls of Jericho fell. And I got in. And then we devoted to destruction what God told us to. And we had we had the city that we didn't build for. And we had houses we didn't build for. It's amazing. God, God has done amazing things. And just as Jericho finishes. Then come the Hittites. And just as the Hittites finishes, then come the Perizzites and the Jebusites and the Girgashites and all the other ites that come one after the other after the other. And God says, 
I'm going to make sure you stay in the fight until there is inner rest in you. You know what maturity as a follower of Jesus Christ looks like? Maturity as a follower of Jesus Christ looks like this. It can be everything. All hell can be breaking loose against you. God is faithful. God is true. And you look to the left and there's Girgashites. Look to the right. There's Hittites. Look behind you. There's Perizzites. Look above you. There's Hivites. You look all around you and there's everybody coming against you. But something inside you says, I don't know, but I'm still going to worship Jesus. I don't know. I'm still going to trust God. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to lift my voice and lift my hands and say, he is good. He has always been good. He is good. He will continue to be good. Some of the worship in the room today was pricely. It was costly because some of our hallelujahs came with a price. Some of our amens came with a price. We're bleeding right now, but we're praising him anyway. We're bleeding right now, but we're thanking him anyway. We're fighting a few Hittites right now, but we're thanking him anyway. Some of us have learned how to fight through every battle that comes that says, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continuously be upon my lips. we got to learn how to do that. Because on the other side is vineyards we did not plant and olive orchards we did not build or plant and farm and God wants to usher in a level of blessing that is beyond anything we can hear or imagine. I'm going to take a break from my preaching and I'm going to release a prophetic word to some of you in this room today. If this is your word, receive it. Some of you are about to walk into vineyards you did not plant. You're going to inherit olive orchards you did not plant. You're going to have houses you did not build. And you're going to inhabit in cities you did not toil for. And you are going to overcome everything that is coming against you. As you walk into a period of rest, you will look and say, look what the Lord has done. He has blessed me way beyond what my eye has seen, what my ear has heard, what my mind has understood. He has prepared for them that love him. You have been faithful in the manna season. You have been faithful in the sowing and the reaping season. And you have been faithful in the warfare season. But get ready, get ready, get ready. Something is about to happen in your life in the name of Jesus. Something is about to happen in your life. Something is about to happen. You've got to create space up here. You've got to create space up here. You've got to come against the spiritual, religious people that say, Manna is the peak of what Christianity looks like. No. Christianity looks like grit and surrender and obedience and praising when you don't feel like it and turning up at church even though you sometimes think I don't feel like praising God but I have decided that I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall be continually upon my life is there anybody in this room that wants to praise God whether you feel like it or not is there anybody that wants to lift up his name whether you understand it or not something is about to happen in your life We don't have time to look through all the stories of the Hittites, the Gershites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jericho. But I, I want to tell, I want to look at one story, one, one of those battles, just, just one, one of those battles. And it's found in the book of Numbers, we're going to read it. <clears throat> the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 2, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm about to give the people of Israel from each tribe, a man of their father's you shall send a man, everyone, a chief among them. Now, we're going to find names of 12 people. Okay, Moses sent from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were the heads of Israel. We can go quickly. Let me read these names. First name, Shamua. Second name, verse 5, Shaphath. Verse 6, Caleb. 7, Igal. 8, Hoshea. 9, Palti. 10, Gideel. 11, cut up on the screen, the Gadi, <clears throat> Amiel, Sethu, Navi, Guel, and these are the 12 spies. So there's 12 spies, I want to talk about two in them, One, one's a guy called Joshua, or Hoshea, which actually translates means Jesus saves, so that's why we, we have the word Hosanna and Jesus, Joshua, Hosea in the Hebrew, they're all related. We've got Joshua and Caleb. This is what happens, verse 17. 
Keep reading. Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan and said to them, Go to the Negev, go into the hill country. Verse 18, and see what land it is, whether the people there are strong or weak. Remember, warfare, strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage, bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob, the Neboth, Lahamath, Verse 22, they came up to Negeb, Hebron, Hamian, Heshai, Talmai, descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. 23, and they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from their branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between the two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and some figs. I mean, even today, I don't think the world has a reference point. But the Bible says the grapes... In this land that they had to go and fight was so big that a single cluster. Now imagine, close your eyes and imagine what a single cluster of grapes looked like. So it was so big that it needed two men to put a pole on their shoulders and hang a cluster of grapes between them just to lift and carry them. How big were those grapes? This is what I mean by creating space in your mind. Because sometimes the space that's needed to be created is not the bad stuff that needs to go. The space that needs to be created in your mind is the good stuff that needs to go. Because you have a conclusion of what grapes look like. You have a conclusion of what a cluster of grapes should look like. But what if God wants to surprise you even on the basics and say, you don't even know what grapes look like. I'm about to show you grapes that you've never seen. I'm about to show you pomegranates and figs you've never seen. Because when you go into battle... On the other side is fruit you have not imagined. I want to tell you, Beacon Church, you heard it announced earlier on, on the first Sunday in January, we don't only have one service, but we have two services. We don't only have two services, but just as an exception, on the first of January, on the first Sunday in January, we have third service, it's an anointing service. I believe as a church, we have come through the manna season, we have come through the sowing and reaping season, and we have fought some battles as a church, and we have stared the enemy in the eye, and said, we will not bow down we will not bow down we will not bow down and we fought not fighting people but fighting the spirit that was against what God was about to do and I want to say to you as a church as Beacon Church we are about to enter into the greatest fruitfulness of our lives as a church this will be the greatest season of fruit that we have ever seen fruit in our kids work fruit in our children's work fruit in our youth work fruit in our worship fruit in our men's ministry fruit in our women ministry, fruit in our prayer, fruit in our outreach, fruit in our expansion. We are about to enter a season of fruitfulness because the other side of battle is fruit. Is fruit. Two men are putting a pole between them and carrying one cluster of grapes. Because God was about to say, hey, this is what I can do. If we go back to verse 1, the, verse one, the first verse that we just read in, uh, in Numbers, which was God says, hey, I'm giving you this land. This is the land I want to give you. This is the land I want to give you. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, look at verse 2. Everybody read verse 2 for, 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 together uh, at the count of three. One, two, three. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving I am giving. God has said, I want to give this land to you. I want to give this land to you. This this is going to be my gift to you. So 12 men go, spy out the land. Two of them, they come back. Two men are carrying one cluster of grapes. This is what fruit looks like on the other side of our battle. If If we fight, if we get to the other side, this is what fruit will look like. After this report, if we come down to where we stopped last which is we're talking about the two men carrying pomegranates and figs. Verse 24. So they're carrying the fruit. They came and brought pomegranates and figs. Next verse, verse 24. And the place there was called the Valley of Eshkol because the cluster the people cut down was from there. 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. Okay. So imagine with me, there's 12, 12 men. Two of them are carrying this cluster of grapes. 
grapes, pomegranates. They came to Moses and to the congregation of the people of Israel. They brought back word to them. He said, look at the fruit. of." said, have you ever seen grapes like this? Have you ever seen pomegranates that look like this? Have you ever seen figs that look like this? Look at this. They said to the whole people, verse 27. They told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and it flows with honey. And this is the fruit. Verse 28. However, the people who dwell there are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Paul, come up here and stand here. This is what the descendants of Anak maybe look like. Big beards. Very terrifying. So they're going there and said, look, it's true. The grapes there are massive. The pomegranates are huge. The figs are amazing. But my goodness, there's some giants in the land. There's, they're, they're big people. However, the people who dwell there are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. What do the descendants of Anak look like? The Amalekites dwell there. The Hittites dwell there. The Jebusites dwell there. The Amorites dwell there. The Canaanites dwell there. I told you, just because Jericho is over, doesn't mean the battle is over. Because there's all these people next. And what next? Verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, come on guys, let's go. We can do it, we can do it, we can do it. Come on, come on guys, Shh, keep quiet, come on, we, we can do it. Verse 31, then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go. They are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land saying, the land which you have gone to spy Is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are of great height. Maybe I should get Paul to come up. (laughs) This is a better example of the sons of Anak. The people over there are of great height. They're both called Paul, by the way. And we saw Nephilim. The sons of Anak. And we seemed like grasshoppers. And so we looked at them and thought, forget the fruit, I'm not fighting that. I'm not fighting that. Look at verse 2. Numbers chapter 13 verse 2. We'll come back to verse 33. Verse 32. Numbers chapter 13 verse 2. This was how God started the conversation in verse 2. God is speaking to Moses. Read it with me. 1, 2, 3. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Which I am giving to the people of Israel. I want to give this to you. Come back to verse 31. We're jumping all the way to 31. And the people come back. And the men who had gone with him said, We're not able to go. They're stronger than we are. Verse 32. They brought brought to the people a bad report of the land. And they said, The land is going to devour us. The people there are super tall. Like he just plays the part so well, doesn't he? Like this is perfect example. The people there are of great height. Verse 33. We saw Nephilim. And we saw the sons of Anak. And we seemed like grasshoppers. And so we seemed like that to them. Thanks guys. appreciate. Come on, give these guys a hand. Thank you for acting so well. I wonder what your mind is like this morning. You can either have grapes the size of watermelons or you can quit the fight but you can't have both. You can have fruit that's unbelievable or you can stay in the fight or you can quit the fight but you can't have both. Because you see, you've got to fight the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Girgashites. But some of us are hoping to somehow get the fruit without the fight. 
And the reason you think you're going to get the fruit without the fight is because you had a prophecy. Say, hey, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you fruit that's so big. I'm going to give you pomegranates. Hey, listen, the fruit's coming if you stay in the fight. Oh, I have now been serving God in the ministry 22 years. I've been preaching the word like this 22 years. I have seen hundreds of people who have had prophecies of what God could do with their lives. But they didn't stay in the fight. They didn't stay in the fight. They didn't stay in the fight. They went round one. Then we're round two. They went round three. And when then it got really tough, they thought, manna season was better. All we had to do is get up and say, please. Bam, there's an encounter. Brilliant. Tuesday, get up. God, I want you. Bam, there's an encounter. I wonder what you stand to lose if you quit. I wonder what you stand to lose if you quit. Because you have not created space in your mind to say, I may look like a grasshopper in front of those giants, but I remember God telling me that he was meant to give me this land. So I may be a grasshopper and I may be up against a giant, but if God has promised it, then his word has to be true. Some of you are so deceived by the devil that your confession has been again and again, I'm a grasshopper, they're giants. I'm a grasshopper, they're giants. I'm a grasshopper, they're giants. Why? Because whenever you confess that, it's a state of your mind because you have concluded that the battle is not worth it. I want to say to you, the battle is worth it. You are so close to living in houses you did not build. You are so close to inhabiting cities you did not labor for. You are so close to reap from vineyards you did not plant. You are so close to get a harvest of olive orchards you did not labor for. But you've got to stay in the fight. God has been telling you to move, move. God has been telling you to forgive, forgive. God has been telling you to give, give. God has been telling you to consecrate yourself, consecrate yourself. God has been telling you to set time apart and pray, do that. God has been telling you to step out and take that risk. God has been telling you to travel in the direction of your greatest fear. God has been telling you to try that thing that you failed at before, but you got to give it a go once again. But if you will quit, you will rob yourself of an opportunity to carry fruits you've not carried before, to live in houses you've not not lived before to enter the promises of God that you have not entered in before what no eye has seen what no ear has heard neither has it entered the mind of any human being God has prepared for them that love him and the only battle that God has called us to fight is called the good fight of faith we don't have to fight anything that is bigger than us the fight is on the inside will you operate out of faith or will you operate out of fear will you operate out of faith or will you operate out of comfort Will you operate out of faith or will you operate out of ease? Will you operate out of faith or will you operate out of what is known? You can either have faith or you can have fear. You can't have both. You can operate in faith or you're operating comfort, but you can't have both. You can operate in faith or you can operate in what is familiar, but you cannot have both. But the Holy Spirit is here to give power to those who say, I want to live by faith and not by sight. I'm going to take those battles down. The Gergeshites are coming down. The Jebusites are coming down. The Hittites are coming down. Jericho is coming down. Whatever is in the way is coming down. And I'm going to make faith my priority. Because when you create space up here, it makes an impact. I'll ask you a question. What does a grape look like? Do you think you know? Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea what grapes look like. If only you knew. You have no idea what grapes look like. But you seem like a grasshopper in front of them. And sometimes, you see, we get busy trying to be involved in so many other things without embracing the very thing that God is calling us to do. Travel in the direction of your greatest fear. I was with a pastor one day and we were just having breakfast. He had established quite a significant church and ministry. They were seeing miracles happen left, right and center. And I asked him, he said, do you have any advice for me? And he said, something I'll never forget. He said, "Um, a stupid crow travels in every direction except the direction of the scarecrow. 
because the scarecrow is where the harvest is. So the stupid crow flies in every direction except the direction of the scarecrow because the scarecrow is where the harvest is. Farmers put up a scarecrow hoping they will scare crows away because they know there's precious harvest there. Now we can be so busy flying and some of us followers of Jesus Christ, we're flying, we're doing lots of things except the direction of the scarecrow because you know God has told you that's the direction I want you to travel. But you bolt on that and you keep yourself busy hoping that Christian service will somehow get you a tick mark in the hands of God and say, ah, well done, you did that. No, travel in the direction of your greatest fear. He said, the closer you get to the scarecrow, he said, the scarier the scarecrow will look. He said, keep going. And when you get closer, he said, it's going to look even scarier. He said, when you look closer, it'll look like it's starting to move. It's look like his face starts to move and his hand starts to move. He said, keep going. He said, once you get really close, it's going to be scary trying to eat the harvest because the scarecrow will looking like will look like he's looking over your shoulder. He said, after a few days, you'll realize this scarecrow is nothing but a scarecrow. It's got no power. It has nothing. It has nothing on me. It has no influence. It's just there and it does nothing but bring fear. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke every spirit of fear that is in this room today. You will travel in the direction of your scarecrow and receive the harvest that God has got for you. It's time to get off the fence. It's time to get off the fence and follow Jesus. It's time to get off the fence and stop being so comfortable and cozy and familiar and safe. No, there's vineyards you did not plant that's yours and olive orchards meant for you. But will you do it? Two men, Caleb and Joshua, said we can do it. Ten people said, ah, ah, man, the grapes are big, but so are the giants. The pomegranates are huge, but the towns are massive. And one day I I kind of took the the ruler out and I compared my height to theirs. And man, I was like a grasshopper. These guys were giants. So I I think the Hittites are going to kill us. The Jebusites are going to kill us. The Amorites are going to kill us. Um, yeah. Lord, can we just go back to manna season? <laughs> can we just go back to the time when we just said, God, please. There it is. Oh, wow. That was good, right? No. God's calling you further. God's calling to your, you to a life of, of surrender, of obedience, of yielding to the voice and the prompting of God. You can do it create space renew your mind you're not a grasshopper god already told you it's yours god already called you hey did you know there's one thing god has never done and he'll never do yeah one thing god has ever done and he'll never do he's never had a moment where he thought oh i didn't see that coming and he will never have a moment where he goes huh i didn't see that coming Because these guys talk as if God didn't know that there were giants in the land. He's like, there are giants over there, you know. They devour people. And it was not like God went, oh, I had no idea. I wonder what I was thinking when I said I should give them the land. I had no idea. I had no idea they were so tall. Sorry. Plan B. And some of us act as if our problems surprise God. Some of us are going, God, I'm feeling so weak. I don't think I can do it. God's like, oh, I had no idea. Thanks for telling me. I had no idea. Do you not know that God is a God who knows the end from the beginning and he called you anyway? He knew every fault, every failure, every, every struggle, every pain, every scar, every wound. He saw the end from the beginning. The Bible says all the days that were ordained for you were written in his book even before one of them ever existed. And he called you anyway. He called you anyway. He called you anyway. So stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. If that means going around the Jericho seven times with your mouth shut, do it. He's not doing it because he wants to rob from you. He's doing it because he wants to bless you. 
Stay in the fight. Create space. I want to take a moment to pray for everyone who says, I want a new mind. I've been just convincing myself I'm a grasshopper. I've been trying to tell God excuses about my call. I've been trying to tell God excuses about my obedience. I've not been creating space. I've been missing out. For a moment of concentration and privacy, will you close your eyes? For a moment, I'm going to pray. Everybody that says, Lord, I want a new mind. I want to create space in my thoughts. I want to know what grapes look like because I don't know. I want to know what I look like because I don't know. I want to know what you look like because I don't know. I've never been this big before. Renew my mind, Lord. Help me to see as you see. Help me to know as you know. Help me to speak as you speak. Nothing surprises you. Nothing surprises you. Nothing surprises you. To somebody here, here is the word of God to you. The promise still stands. He is not surprised by the giants that have come your way. The promise still stands. Promise still stands. Father, for every person in this room that's saying, renew my mind. Help me to create space in how I think and how I see things. I pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come now and do a supernatural work. In the name of Jesus Christ, supernaturally terminate and erase every neural pathway in my brain, in the brains of the people here that have thought ourselves as grasshoppers. We're not grasshoppers. We are your children. You are our father. Help us to erase every memory of every giant we have seen. Help us to erase, Lord, every memory of every pain that we have felt by going into battle. I pray in the name of Jesus that we will create space in our mind, O Lord. We don't know what grapes look like. Surprise us, Lord, until we know that we don't know. Surprise us, Lord, until we are aware that we are not aware. We want to see what no eye has seen. We want to hear what no ear has heard. We want to understand what no mind has understood. You have prepared it for us because you love us. We will stay in the fight. And we, in the name of Jesus, will go through. The Hittites will bow to us. The Gerbersites will cry to us. The Hittites will bow to us. The Amorites will bow to us. Jericho will bow to us us. Every battle that we are fighting right now will bow to us. Unforgiveness will bow. Selfishness will bow. Lust and greed will bow. Every desire of the flesh, every desire of the eyes, every desire of the heart that is contrary to the will and the standard of God, it will bow in the name of Jesus. Our mind will serve the Lord. Our heart will serve the Lord. Our lips will serve the Lord. Our bodies will serve the Lord. We will do everything in our power to yield and surrender to you and on the other side of this battle we decree and we declare over Beacon Church and over every person that is listening to the sound of my voice every person in this room may they receive vineyards they did not plant may they receive olive orchards they did not plant may they receive buildings they did not build may they receive cities they did not build may the blessing of God exceedingly abundantly way more than we can ever ask or imagine may that be our portion today in the name of Jesus I come against the spirit of fear I come against the spirit of intimidation I come against the spirit of domination I come against the spirit of manipulation I come against every Jezebelic altar I come against every power of witchcraft I come against every sorcery and wizardry I come against any psalter that is erected against our church in the name of Jesus I dismantle it I cancel it I nullify it and I burn by fire I burn by fire I burn by fire I burn by fire and let the fire of God fall upon our church let the goodness of God manifest in our lives let the glory of God fall upon this place in the name of Jesus in Jesus name in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in Jesus name in Jesus name for a moment 
Will you close your eyes and picture grapes you've never seen before? Will you picture for a moment vineyards you did not yield plant or sow, but you begin to receive blessings that is above and beyond your comfort? For a moment, will you picture that you're going to have houses and cities you did not build? And if you're able to see that with your eyes of faith, come on, raise a shout of praise in this house today for all that God is about to do in your life, for all that God is about to give to you and to your children in the name of Jesus. One of the big differences, there are many, but one of the big differences between manna season and warfare season is this. You can never pass on manna to your children and your children's children. At the end of the day, that manna is rotten. And some of you parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, uncles, aunts, some of you who don't even have children, but you think, God, how can I leave a legacy? How can I leave something beyond my grave? Let me tell you this. When you take part in this kind of provision, and then you have vineyards and orchards and houses and cities, when your time is done, you can pass it on. I wonder whether you've been praying, God, remember my children. Hey, your children cannot be sustained with manna, but your children can be sustained through the rest that comes in the crucified Jesus Christ who died in your place, was buried and risen again. Live in rest and you'll be able to pass on a legacy. If you are a parent here and you have a burden for your generation or a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt, or even if you don't have kids and say, God, I want to leave something that's beyond me. I want to prophesy a blessing right now. Receive this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare over every child, of every son, of every daughter, over every grandson, of every granddaughter, over every nephew, every every niece, every spiritual son, every spiritual daughter, we will pass on a legacy that is beyond our generation. Our generations will serve the Lord. Our children will serve the Lord. Our children will follow the Lord. Our grandchildren will follow the Lord. Our great grandchildren will follow the Lord. A generation yet unborn will follow the Lord because you have decided in your heart that you are going to give it to us in the name of Jesus if you are here today and you do not know Jesus I want to give you an opportunity to become a follower of Jesus Christ you may have never made this decision but I want to encourage you today is a good day to make a decision to follow Jesus Jesus died was buried and is risen again if you are here saying God I want that I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life and I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer many followers of Jesus Christ in this room are also going to pray so that you don't feel you're on your own. If you've made that prayer, you can make a decision to put your trust in Jesus Christ. If that's you, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died and that you rose again. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Forgive my wrongdoings. I give you my life. From today, I decide to live for you. Amen. If you've made that very simple prayer, I believe you've made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I would love for you to keep in touch with us so we can help you take your next steps.